0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sim Sundays podcast. I am joined by Random CoolSign, where we're going to round up quite
1: quite a busy week. How are you? I'm great. Could be better. Been very tired. How about you? I'm also very tired, but it's fine. It's great. It's
0: fine. You know, we're, um, we're getting G'd on and woken up by all of the crazy news that has been coming out of the sim racing and motorsport world recently now. We have to make a a small caveat stroke announcement here. I, have on several occasions, promised that this podcast will never, ever, ever, ever transition into a Formula One podcast, right? Not because I don't like Formula. I love Formula One. But, listen, but, but listen this week, Formula oh. One. But this feels like this is this is not news that's just about Formula One. This is news that will shake the whole of the racing world in whatever
1: category of racing you're in including sim racing so what's been happening in formula one this week well there's two big news one after the other the the second one i thought it would be like a rumor because of the first one the first one is uh of course formula one rejecting andretti which doesn't at least make sense for me the rejection and the second one is actually lewis hamilton after saying, I love Ferrari, uh, sorry, I love uh, Mercedes and I'll stick until the end of my career in Mercedes, is moving to Ferrari mm. and uh, getting on the Carl Science spot. So it's going to be quite interesting. It's going to be strange to
0: see him in red and not one of the, you know, the silver arrows. He's always been in like a silver and black car, right? Even back in the McLaren days. So it's going to be very strange seeing him. Yeah, silver, silver and orange, silver and red. Yeah, it's going to be strange. What I mean, what does it mean for the rest of the grid? Is this going to be one of those things that kicks off like the mother of all silly seasons?
1: Are we about to see like half the grid changing up now? Uh, I don't think so. You either get Carlos Sainz or Bottas or Fernando Alonso into Mercedes and everything else stays the same. It's, I, that's just what I think. Yeah, Bottas, that would be an interesting one. That would be very interesting. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Bottas back at Mercedes. I think it would still be a good fit. Yeah, I would love that. That would be a very, uh, that would be a very good story. Imagine if Fernando Alonso goes there and is a champion. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I am for the first time in a long time quite excited. Or anybody that goes to Mercedes. Yeah, that'd be very cool.
0: Okay, let's move on to sim racing. Um, I'm going to uh, mention one yeah. sad bit of news. Um, very sad to announced that Gran Turismo is sport is closing its doors shutting shutting up paddock forever which is sad really because it was a kind it was a very iconic game um it, it you know it, it marked a step change in quality for for racing games generally I yeah. think um and has probably been responsible for tens if not hundreds of thousands of people getting into sim racing as we know it like Gran Turismo Formula One Forza they're all these kind of gateway drugs into our world of sim
1: racing and Gran Turismo Sport was pivotal. I think, uh, yeah, GT Sport has been hugely influential in sim racing, and I, I don't think they it gets enough praise out of it. Uh, a lot of the platforms that we see today outside of iRacing uh, are very much inspired by uh, Gran Turismo mm. a Sport. If you guys remember Coach Dave when they when they had uh, before the acquisition or merger with uh, Low Fuel Motorsports, Coach Dave was essentially a copy of it. Mm. Uh, with for a set of and it, it essentially told everybody uh, there is a space in sim racing for something that is a casual competitive, more casual than i racing, right? Yeah. And then that if from that point, other platforms like low fuel motorsport, which is hugely po- popular, still to this day, one way or the other copy the same format in the same selection process that you had in Gran Turismo Sport, which, you know, Race A, Race B, and Race C. Of course, with more races in, Grand, in Low lowfield Motorsport, but it, it's it's essentially all the same. It's very easy to understand when stuff starts, when stuff ends, uh, how what you expect out of it, and it basically has shaken up everybody, you know, if you want a casual competitive, mm-hmm. it kind of seems anachronic, but it's, it's still competitive, but it's more on a casual side. You can have something in sim racing now. Yeah. Uh, it just told you know, everybody there is definitely something going forward. It's an ideal format for streamers too, right? Because you've got so many races that you can jump into one after yep. the other. Okay, yep. so. Um... Yeah, but just to give a point about how influential still is Gran Turismo Sport, I think even today, if you look at Forza Motorsport, Even today, seven years later, after the initial set of uh, product or initial set of content has launched in in Gran Turismo Sport, it not only holds a candle to whatever else is out there, in sim racing or not, Forza Motorsports or not, but is better in terms of production quality than everything else in sim racing, including the one that you're going to talk next, WEC. Well, that's interesting. So... Yeah. it's a bold claim it's a bold claim gone
0: um, Le Mans Ultimate it is a bold claim it's a bold claim. Le Mans Ultimate um, they've just announced that the uh, release that was planned for early 2024 April 2024 uh, is no longer going to be a release it's going to be early access and this seems to be big news right big news like, what the hell is going on this is chaos blah 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 it is or have they learned lessons from previous releases and are thinking well why why would we do what we've done previously when it didn't work and it was a shambles if we if we launch as an early release like most games in the in the, the in the world of gaming not necessarily just sim racing will launch as an early release so that you're setting that expect- expectation of right if you download the game now the first few tens of thousands of people you are taking part in essentially an experiment for the 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 finer details of the end of the game but you acknowledge that there might be some issues Right? that from and i i know what you're about to say right but th- this is kind of like the this is the sort of the the marketing approach that i imagine that they're
1: they're taking here right but in line us what do you think from us as a cynical person as a cynical person i look at it two ways uh okay. one way more than the other but that will be totally wrong uh, the first way is that they want to do the Seto Corsa Competizione or Seto Corsa kind of way. Uh, you know, the launch of stuff. Uh, and you have, you know, the community saying, I like this, I don't like this, right? Makes sense. The second way is a little more conspiracy-like. Because you have to look at what motorsports games has been in the last couple of years. And it has been a, a train wreck. And you look at their spreadsheet or whatever they say to uh, to the investors. And it's not looking good. Many times they have seen in the past, look, we're about six months away of not paying anything, right? And then it will need to raise capital one way or the other. So by having it on early access, you would get the cash flow up front. Probably the truth is in the middle of both. So it's both... It's both what the community will say, and I, I'm going to say this a little bit out loud. It's going to sound really bad for the simracing community if they take the approach of R Factor Two. R Factor Two for me is it's not just a dead game. It's 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 bad product. Mm. It's really bad product. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have you know the scope. It cannot reach anybody. And WC does have quite an interesting name. Ilma, all of that. Mm. Um, and if they want to remove themselves from just, you know, it's just a sim into something that is actually a game and they need to to have the community come in, look, this is what it needs to happen. Check this out, check this out. It also will accelerate the likely, uh, the amount of feedback from paying customers. But I think on the other side, they also need to, to raise some cash. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, it's it one of those situations where it's kind
0: of like risk mitigation because you're putting this little badge on it that's like Mm -hmm. not finished yet but you still got to hit a minimum threshold so it'll be interesting to see if they hit that minimum threshold where people aren't doing the 14 day two hour steam discount uh you know um not discount refund um yeah steam Steam is a very powerful refund to where if you play the game for less than two hours uh, and you've got less than 14 days you can just refund it no questions asked so it is there is there is some risk that they're carrying Um, But, you know, we do know, for example, that um, motorsport games have cut away loads of other assets that they had in their portfolio in order to be able to focus purely on this
2: game.
1: Yeah. Well, they lost BTCC, they lost IndyCar, they lost NASCAR. So they had too much of a wide scope for a lot of titles and they, you know, downsized a lot and they had to, you know, probably go back to basics and what can we actually deliver? Can we have a minimal viable product in one product category? And I think, I, I don't think, honestly, looking at what they had, I don't think WEC was the right choice for me. It would be NASCAR, but looking at the mass NASCAR heat was. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> tried it. They probably thought the same as you. But it, it's strange because... They they went uh, went for it on a, um, a more um, I don't want to say arcady because it it this it, it does sound bad. They went it to a more approachable way, and I think mm-hmm. they they did it good. But the problem is that that team wouldn't be prepared if it was the same t- team that was developing WEC. But at the same time, having somebody that can gamify some aspects to you know keep going it forward to make it more interesting at the same time at the level of more or less of. A, of a heat 2006 or even a nr 2003 or something like that you would probably mesh everything together very well but they just failed the game was full of bugs the game didn't play very well there were a lot of issues with it and of course people were mad the sales weren't very good but you know that that's the thing they had the, the the good product but they couldn't develop proper games, but for the WAC, I think they're looking towards more of a a simulation approach. I still think that they need to do, you know, good user interface. They need to, to make it approachable for everybody to join in, create their own races, either single player or multiplayer. It can't be the mess of, of menus that R factor two was for the longest time. It needs to be very simple to set up stuff. Like I said, of course, the competition ends, right. So they need to mesh everything together very well. Uh, I'm not very hopeful, but I'm not doom and gloom. i'm I'm interested because I do enjoy myself some uh, endurance stuff, but i'm I don't have I'm not setting myself up to for failure if that makes sense. I, I'm interested, but I'm just don't feel very hopeful for it. and I think it's the good way forward. I'll have a look at it. I'll, I'll give my you know my honest opinions about it. If it is good, it is good. If it drives well, it drives well. If it's fun, it's fun. If it's not, well, it's not. We'll see. We'll see. It's on the 20th, I think, later this month. And I guess I'm making an assumption here, but we're all coming
0: from a position, we're all coming from a place where we want this game to do well. So we're not naysaying in the sense of like, i do yeah you know, we, we we don't wish nope. them to have the the success you kind of do like, most poor games has been around for quite a long time and it's done some great things in sim racing it's you know it would be really nice if they could get this right and everyone could get behind a really cool new game on ultimate weck and and open up a whole new
1: like focus in, in sim racing here
0: and, and it and everyone enjoys it like that's what we want right
1: i uh, yeah that's what I want. I'm looking at the pictures that they've sent, the uh, the videos, and it looks amazing. It looks great. Graphics crisp. The The cars aren't doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. So that's a good start, you know. That's really a good start. But, of course, marketing is marketing. There's editing behind it. Maybe the it's, game is just like that and it just needs, you know, look, critique us. Tell us where we're good. Tell us yeah. where we're bad. I think they're having the right attitude Yeah. with that. yeah. I, like I said, I'm not too hopeful because, you know, a lot of people have already crashed and burned with MH uh, with motorsport game stuff. I think what Stephen Hood is doing is much better than the other, the guy before. But once again, we need to be like situating ourselves, what, what they have delivered in the past. But once again, if it's good, you have to say it, it's good yeah. and probably worth your time or something like that. I'm I'm hopeful, but not hopeful. At I don't want to hype myself. That's what I want <laughs> to say. You're firmly on the fence, and that's fine. You, you know, you can be forgiven. Given the- uh, yes. <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or the other. But very, <laughs> i feel very strongly about that. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, thank you very much. As always, it's been good to cover the news of the last week. It's been it's been an intense week in sim racing. It's been it's been uh, it's been interesting. Um, we are now going to transition across to our interview with a certain Matt Sten, founder of Track Racer. Uh, we spoke to him, I think, eighteen months ago. I think he was, I think he was right after your episode. Uh, I think he was this number two or number yeah, three, yeah. Uh, on the podcast. Um, and he's come back eighteen months later. And my goodness, the amount of stuff that company has managed to do in eighteen months, including a whole new range of, but uh, well, not released yet, but electronics that they they took to Sim Formula Europe. Um, It was really nice catching up with Matt, Mm -hmm. chatting to him about how it's been, what it's like being a founder of a company that's under so much scrutiny. Uh, I've I've made a point to mention that he is the most active person in his Facebook group, and yet he's the CEO of the company. How on earth does he do it? But it was a really, really enjoyable chat. So enjoy.
2: Whoa, Tom, before we get
0: into the episode, we need to show them GridFinder. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, please check out Groot Finder. You can browse from over 1,000 leagues or communities or even start your own. We have a complete league management system built into our website. We even have loads of cool features like custom championships, single races, time trials, and a race attendance system. We even have cool features like a split and tier management system, as well as something coming up very soon, a driver rating and penalty point system. Anyway, enough of me talking. I know you guys know where to go. Please go check out and sign up to Gridfinder for free and find your new racing league to be a part of now. Enjoy the episode. Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having us back. Well, you're the second person ever that we've had on the show twice and, um, I'm I'm very excited because not only has sim racing changed hugely since we last spoke about 18 months ago but Track Racer you've absolutely exploded you seem like the busiest man in sim racing right now and congratulations on your your 15th well you know Track Racer's 50th birthday not your
2: 15th birthday if you were 15 then you know hats off man <laughs> Yeah thanks mate um uh, yeah so I was over in uh Austin I, I'd been there for uh well I've been in Austin for five months, just building up the U S side of the business. Um, uh, where, you know, we're having a lot of growing pains. Um, so, uh, you know, our U S business is growing exponentially. So, is, um, so is the rest of the world. Uh, we've just opened up in, um, Canada in, in December. So we're now, uh, warehousing over there. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, you know, we've just been, um, it's, you know, constantly, um, growing the team and and investing in new systems just to try and keep up so yeah it feels yeah. like it's um hugely uh
0: logistics dependent your business you know so obviously you have the you have the products which you're constantly innovating and developing and we'll get onto that because obviously you've your range has has exploded since we last spoke um but the amount of logistics you must have to manage with people from all over the world wanting your cockpits, and I've, so obviously I've received a track racer cockpit in the past and it came in like seven or eight boxes and we had add-ons and bits and pieces. So getting that right logistically must be the biggest headache, especially when all of a sudden you're getting
2: thousands of, of orders every week. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to talk openly here. Um, uh, you know, like, like everyone in the industry, we had a huge um, November sales period. Um, our our website is uh, it it needs uh, updates, so we've employed some senior um, senior people to fix uh, the website and also operations. So, you know, our biggest issue is um, you know the amount of uh, accessories or or add ons that people will get, um, and then um, automating our website to inform people about well, this is held up because of this, you know, this mat or you know, it could be something mm. big like a whole rig, or it could be something small like a speaker mount. Um, and and we're just we're just working through it now. With uh, we've got a couple of coders in the team now, uh, just to try and automate these um, these emails to customers and and the op- giving them the opportunity to split the order up uh, as opposed to you know just you know thousands of orders just sitting there, and then we've got to go mm. through and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, at times we are. We are reactive to to a lot of inquiries, Um, but that's the biggest issue. So I'm hopeful that, you know, over the next few weeks, uh, we'll have a lot more transparency on the website. So, you know, for example, you go to a a simulator and you see a heap of upsells, we are adding like the stock status for those updates. So, you know, at least uh, customers will be able to purchase and be well informed about um, an issue Mm. or... You know, they might add on that speak amount and then say hey I notice that the speak amount's out can you just send the rest of the order now we'll go, yeah, sure done so um so we're we're all working we're really working too hard um uh and you know with with a lot it, we've improved transparency um uh and also some automations we should be able to um you know get ticket counts by down by like 60 70 percent. Yeah.
0: Now, you talk about transparency, and obviously, that's a big issue at the moment. You know, it's no secret to anyone that Famitech is having some real big issues with people just not knowing where their orders are. You said there that, you know, we, we've been reactive. Now, it's interesting because obviously, you'd rather be proactive than reactive. But I remember last time we spoke, um, I made a point of highlighting the fact that you're one of the most active people on the Track Racer Facebook page now the modern consumer is so so demanding and if they have an issue with a delivery being late or something arriving and a piece is is wrong or or, you know maybe damaged in transit whatever they'll happily go straight onto the facebook group and and smash the whole brand you know which is 15 years of hard work sweat toil design innovation partnerships with you know alpine blah, blah blah and they'll be like well i didn't get my left widget or, or whatever so that you know the, the whole of track racer is terrible you reply to nearly every single one offering help how the hell do you do that when you're when you've scaled so much how are you still replying to all these facebook messages as you know the ceo and
2: founder of the company i, I can't think of any other company where that would happen oh look you know there was there was a time where thomas at fanatic was doing it that you know that was probably you know, seven years ago he might have stopped. So uh I actually don't you know I've I, I've got a, a good team around me. Um and I actually don't mind helping you know, like I don't watch TV. So, you know, if I'm uh if I'm if I've got nothing to do, then I'll I'll jump on there and I'll I'll help people because I know that it's helping our team out. And I'd rather know about a um because often issues like it could be like you know, small little product issues like um, this screw is too short or whatever. My my team sometimes doesn't feed that information to me or the engineers, and so you know, if I'm if I'm keeping an eye on things, um, then uh, then I can you know resolve that, uh, and it could be like you know just a little tweak in, in the next production or getting the parts over and reworking all the stock. Um, and it's also good to sort of know like. It's not always true either. So, you know, (laughs) an hour ago, I looked at at the uh, track racer owners group. Someone said, oh, can someone tell me how long it takes any, you know, uh, can someone tell me how long it takes to get a reply? I haven't had a reply since um, the 5th of January. And I look on our uh, ticketing system and I'm like, hang on a sec, we emailed you on the 15th of Jan to, you know, to an email. And then he said, oh, I was looking at the wrong one. So yeah but they love to bash us we've got a lot of haters out there um eventually uh you know we'll we'll be world class and um you know we'll have the full suite of products and um you know we'll we'll get past this just like fanatic will get past all this um you know it's just it's growing pains that's yeah yeah
0: it's a good it's a good problem to have right that the the opposite is that you've got no one complaining because no nobody's buying
2: yeah correct yeah so we've still got. Uh, uh, with our products are still in demand. Um, uh, with this year we've got um uh, five or six new rigs coming. You know, you saw all the other stuff. We've got a mm, lot of products coming. Um, the direct drives. If you had, did you have a chance to try the direct drives at the Sim Expo? No, wait, I haven't. No, no, no. <laughs> Pardon me. You went on a yoga a yoga retreat, didn't you?
0: How did you know that? I, you, yeah, I went on a, Oh, oh, okay. i told you okay i was gonna say unless you follow my girlfriend's instagram i have no idea how you found that yeah i uh i, I, I keep yeah so i uh just before christmas had a lot of friends over and was drinking too much and one of them runs a yoga yogurt so like, you should come to me i'm like nah it's all i don't know how to breathe i don't even need to do breathing exercises She was like it's so much more than that and drunkenly i signed up and paid and that's like bugger it's the same week as but anyway um yeah so I have, it, I have it i have part of me did you like it you liked it in the end you know what i did i did yeah. i was oh, I was really skeptical yeah. really skeptical i was like breathing meditation like i know how to breathe like what could this what benefits could this possibly bring and actually it was really interesting the the sound bath was a bridge too far for me i had no idea what that was about wasn't yeah. tuning into the vibrations or whatever it was meant to be but other than that, it was great. Great group of people. Fantastic food. We did exercise every morning, yoga. It was nice. It was nice. It was opened my eyes to it. I think maybe next time I would sign up, you know, voluntarily. I'd give it another go. Um, yeah. But yes, the point is, I did miss the uh, Sim Formula Europe. Um, I was I was gutted because Andy put on a great, great show. And the highlight we were talking um, in our show before SFE and after SFE. Uh, me random cool sign george morgan we do a pre-show um segment which if you're listening to this on po- spotify you will have listened to about 10 minutes ago um we were discussing track as essentially being the the big news at that show like we're always trying to predict what's going to be the big headline and for us you bringing the uh the the direct drive wheels um to the show was the headline. before the sfe before the, the the sim expo we were wondering will anybody be able to actually physically touch them and try them or will it be on display because obviously sim racing expo i think the year before last they were 3d printed versions but now people actually tried them and i read tom uh, harrison lord's uh review um uh of the of the direct drive will basically said it was too early to tell because it was kind of a pre-production prototype but seemed very promising out the range looks incredible so i I don't know. Have you? Have you? Is there a version out there that we haven't seen yet that that you've tried? It's definitely um,
2: uh, the. I find that other brands meant, <laughs> another brand mentioned in this podcast. I find their wheelbases to be uh, quite grainy. Um, mm. Our wheelbase is extremely smooth and responsive. Um, and you know we've we've set uh, SimiCube as as the benchmark for that feedback. So uh, I'm extremely confident that we'll be hitting uh, hitting that. Interesting. Uh, so you're going for yeah. a, so in terms of
0: SimiCube, So is really interesting where it sits in the market because it's it's definitely it's definitely taken the premium spot. If you like, it's kind of if you if you've got the money to spend and you want the absolute best then at the moment most people would would probably go either SimuCube or maybe ascetic i think like ascetic is a is perhaps a a challenger brand to SimuCube cube rather than fanatech based purely on the on the the price point um and i I don't think you've announced your price point yet so where how would you describe the position in the market that you're trying to take with the the track racer direct drives so we'll
2: we'll be at a um uh at this stage a 15 and a 30 newton meter um and my my goal is to be uh mid-range so okay yeah uh ideally um let's think sim magic interesting with the performance of the sim uh so okay
0: that's that's really interesting SimMagic is the is a really interesting one because we we had a um a Simagic in the office for ages and ages and ages and I remember buying it thinking well this will just be like a, a stopgap for now we'll put this in the office and we've got something to to put onto our, our TR180 and actually we we loved it we absolutely loved it and then we were gifted um, again, I feel like the direct comparisons maybe aren't appropriate here but we were gifted another popular brand's um, kind of entry-level direct drive and we were like we missed the Simagic, man. It was the Simagic was so much It was better, it was more responsive. And yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, Simagic does does do good products and, you know, it's good quality as well. So since you've mentioned it, I mean, my, my mind is sort of about a million questions here. And I want to talk about the American market at some point. But since we're on to um, the, the, the market of direct drive wheels, you've got Simagic, Moza, you've got Thrustmaster and Logitech upping their game. You've got Turtle Beach coming into this space now. It's an incredibly busy place to be, right? And I'm not going to say it's it's satur- it's oversaturated yet because I don't know if it is. I think the demand for these um, these wheelbases is huge. If you look at all the issues with people's deliveries not arriving and people kicking off because it hasn't, you know, the, the the supply I think is probably keeping up with demand. You'll have more um, data on this than than I do, um, but it is getting hotly contested, at least. And I think Turtle Beach. Coming in is a real is a real signal to the rest of the market that the rest of the gaming market is looking at sim racing as um, a huge opportunity. Like Cooler Master, for example, entered last year with a with a rig, you know, now Turtle Beach and and Thrustmaster and Logitech have renewed their range. They've brought direct drives out. They've upped their game. Essentially, there's a lot of established brands coming into the space. How do you react to that as a kind of you know, OG sim racing brand. You celebrated your 15th birthday last year. You're, you're one of the first to the space. How do you manage all of these Goliaths of the gaming world coming in?
2: Well, we've, we've got a head start. So, um, you know, in, in August last year, we had a NASDAQ, $2 billion NASDAQ company try and acquire us, which, um, you know, I was, I was pleased to turn down, <laughs> uh, they're entering in the space. And it's not one of the ones that you mentioned, um, and, and and their interest for us was that well given uh all of the development that we've got well with the brand, um the uh the partnership with the LPF1 team, uh the um you know uh solving all a lot of the issues with regards to uh manufacturing the rigs or well, the fabrication side. We've got uh new new and clever seat designs coming, uh, but also the software and the peripherals uh all of this would have given uh, would give any large company um, a, you know a, th- a three- year head start mm. so and and track racer in three years I uh, uh, you know I'll, I'm pretty confident that um, you know it'll be a, a much much different company so yeah it's really interesting because you're talking earlier
0: you said that you're gonna be bringing out five new rigs this year and i remember in our last podcast i said to you right you've got a range of rigs from you know you've got the um the the entry level then your your aluminium profile you various different options tr 80 120 what one, i think 1 180 etc you you've now got your premium branded alpine uh, trx um you know what where do you go from here like is, there really can't be that much more you can do like a rig is a rig is a rig right as long as you can sit in it and you can reach the pedals and the wheels that's it right and you were like, Tom, you couldn't be more wrong. There's so there's so much like ergonomics and features and design that you can build into these rigs. Like the, the possibilities are endless. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then obviously your focus this year was on the peripherals and the, the TRX. So I am intrigued to know these five new rigs coming out this year, what's going to be different? What's going to be significantly different about them?
2: Look, Will, um, you know, those rigs will... Uh obviously cannibalize other models um so you know a couple of the rigs are entry level um a big pain point for us is shipping so with our uh our tr120 model we were the first well and now still the only uh company in the industry that um split up these boring aluminum profile rigs um so we added another another dimension to it so it actually looks different um and so uh and so, you know, the, the TRX, uh, will likely, you know, not, not in the short term, but that, that will go through, a uh, an update like we've, we've got, uh, about, when did we go, I think we started shipping those about a year ago. So we've got a year's worth of, uh, feedback. We've also had rigs go out, um, for reviews. Um, some of the reviewers, uh, have been, you know, overly critical and pulled it in, in a, in a way that you don't pull it while you're driving. And said it flexes, uh, which is uh, misrepresenting the product. But we uh, we've overcome that. Um, uh, our our TR eight, which is one of our tub- tubular frames, um, you know, that's going to have a, a bit of an update as well. Um, so uh, yeah, as I mentioned, we've got a couple of entry level models coming. So we're going to go after um, that entry level market, which is a bulk a bulk of the market. So you yeah, had to look at Panatech, um and Moses' focus is on entry level. Uh, that's because we're, you know, probably where eighty percent of the market is. Mm. So,
0: are we talking um, kind of the under desk yes. type wheel stands, or are we talking placey fold up arrangements or, or uh, similar?
2: Look, we might have a fold up model um, in the works. <laughs> uh, we we do ha- we already have a folding a folding frame. Um, it's probably our least our least popular model, but it is. I think it's a you know it's a it's a great product and everyone that gets it loves it um that's our fs3 model uh and then um yeah just some tweaks to try and uh lower shipping costs um and uh you know we've got our partnership with airbus so expect the flight simulator coming
0: yeah it's the the flights in market um as people who listen to the podcast will know has has totally gripped me like my my spare room now as you can see that i've got the rig behind me and then i've got the Thrustmaster warthog uh joystick and 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 throttle either side of it like it's a it's 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 actually a bit of an outrageous man cave now i've probably taken it too far but it is interesting how there's that crossover and one thing that i've looked for and looked for and looked for is an off-the-shelf um rig where i can race and i can fly right now there are there are there are some products out there that that do that, but whenever you go onto YouTube and streamers will say, well, this is how I set it up, or or, or gamers like, well, this is what I've done. There is always some workaround, and it's usually the fact that you need two sets of pedals, right? You need to have the pedals that you're racing with, and you also need the the rudder the rudder pedals. Um, so I've got some ideas for how I'm going to do it, but that but I wonder if that is too niche a market. Like the high end sim rig market is already pretty niche in the grand scheme of things. The flight, like uh, cockpit market, is pretty niche because most people just attach their peripherals to their desk, either on their desk or to their desk. So, somebody who wants the premium flight experience and the premium sim racing experience and wants to be able to use them together—that's, I mean, maybe that's a too small an overlap in the Venn diagram of
2: nerdy gamers. Wow, mate, I feel if if uh, if someone's, um, let's say, can afford to be in both, I think they've got a big enough house and enough cash to buy two but um it's not uh yeah it if you're just using the warthog it's it's pretty easy like we've got mounts that allow you to uh, to have a shifter and and your um your throttles left and right um it's when you when you want your rudders and your yoke yeah. that's when it's getting a bit more complicated
0: yeah yeah and again again very a very uh A very niche uh niche market there but yeah you've 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 outed me that so that's a good point maybe i should just i should just stick to one or the other that's the the thing right? you get the i i've got this as a very first world problem i get paralysis now in an evening where like oh i've got a couple of hours what should i do like well do i want to race or do i want to fly do i race or want to fly and then i spend most of the time deciding (laughs) i don't actually get to do anything anyway that is a that is not something i need simply for let's move on um the american market now you've obviously spent a lot of time um in uh, in austin recently you said that you've got warehousing uh, in canada it it feels like an obvious question why america because it's one of the biggest economies in the world but what was it that that happened or, or what was it happened internally that led you to make that jump to
2: go and take over america uh look we've been there for probably four years um and to be honest i just I felt like a change so you know the business over there was um was growing um and uh yeah I just I just felt like living in Austin for a bit um and building the team over there like uh you know we've 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 now got um uh, you know not including uh warehouse staff or uh other contractors we've got four four or five over there now um and we're you know we're we're putting on more um the, you know, like Melbourne's home for me. So we've still got our office in in Melbourne, um, and I've I've loved working with the guys there. Uh, and then we've also got our office in um, in Netherlands. So um, we've got a decent a decent sized team in Europe. So you must uh, you must be doing quite a lot of travel between these uh, between these three sites mate i'm not going to europe in the winter so uh <laughs> so they'll, prob- they'll probably see me in may may june uh but yeah i, I don't generally i like to go where the weather's warm <laughs> yeah i was pretty jealous at the beginning of this podcast when i noticed that you're
0: wearing short, short. <laughs> that's, I, I, I think even i have some of that, that's something that we get to do maybe now with all the pcs in here but okay uh, so let's talk alpines so um when we had our when we did our last podcast, it was very new. The Alpine Park, it was was incredibly new. Um, so, how has that been over the last eighteen months from both sides? Like, uh, uh, have Alpine got out of this what what they wanted. Have you got out of it what you wanted? Like, what, and where's the partnership going?
2: So, well, our, our partners, they've been a great partner. Um, they're uh, you know, I would like if they would speed up the the whole. <laughs> their their uh they're dabble into esports, they're, they're going hard but it, you know it'd be nice to see them go a bit harder um they're very very supportive uh you know like we uh I was invited along to Vegas uh F1 in November uh, where we had a we had two two rigs set up with motion in the Venetian hotel and then uh one in the Alpine Suite so Wow. Uh, yeah, that was cool. That was exciting. Uh, and then we also had, uh, we we're, were involved in the Austin uh, F1, where you were. Um, and then a lot of different activations. So in Austin, they had, with their partnership with Xbox, they had an activation. So we're a part of that. Uh, and yeah, there's, um, well, I think, it's it's a win win for both of us. They want rigs, um, and we you know we we want to align with a, a world class organization like f uh, one. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's um you know at that stage the F one teams were dabbling with esports. I, d- I don't think they'd really thrown their full weight behind it, um, and we've seen esports activations from McLaren, uh, Ferrari, esports, Alpine, esports. But not too many from anywhere else. Like there's nothing notable that I can think of from, you know, Red Bull or, or Mercedes. So, you know, you, it feels very much like you've aligned yourself with an F1 team who is throwing themselves into esports. Like if I had to think off the top of my head, like which of the F1 teams is most involved with sim racing, I would I would automatically say Alpine because Alpine esports. That, you know, they do stuff other than just F1 which I think goes a long way with the, with the sim racing community. And of course you're intrinsically aligned now with, without, without peen. And so, you know, the track racer brand seems to be omniscient being that seems, that seems to be everywhere, right? It seems to be displayed on all of the, um, on, on pretty much all of the, the activations that, that I see, Like, where, where can it go though? Where can it go? Like wh- what's, what's the, what's the ultimate goal of this? partnership what what's what has to happen for you to be like tell you what this partnership this was a win
2: look i think um you know it's a it's a win to be able to align ourselves with f1 uh with an f1 team um to start with uh the exposure that we get through our our partnership so at you know different locations uh with the drivers etc uh i think i think it's already been a win um you know, I'd love to work on some new products and and get their engineers involved again, like we did with the TRX. So we we have uh, another licensed product in the works that we're working on. So okay. hopefully, the market will see that this year, um, most likely end of the end of the year. uh because it's not you know, if you think kind of replica, you know, it needs to it needs to be up there. The the, mm. the the standard of the product, you know, you, we we can't be doing entry level. So interesting. I mean, yeah. based on based on that,
0: not ask, I'm not I'm not fishing here. But wink twice if it's a, a wheel rim.
2: <laughs> yeah, <it> might be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that would be yeah. that would be incredibly cool. That would be incredibly cool. But anyway, um, <clears throat> okay, so the Alpine sponsorship, um, from from where I sit, anyway, as a consumer and enthusiast studier of this space um seems to have been kind of like the headline of of um track racers journey in the last year and the trx was intrinsic to that because it was the physical product that came off the back of it um when we last spoke the trx hadn't um hadn't launched i think it was the following january it started to to ship out so how has the reception been how has the process been of getting that trx out because i know you had a huge waiting list of very vocal people
2: wanting that rig in there in their spare rooms a very large percentage of those people absolutely love the product uh it's it's you know it's extremely adjustable it's easy to put together uh it suits 99 percent of people um uh, it looks the, lovely th- thank you uh so so the like we, we've been getting stung on on shipping um the box one of the boxes is far too big so we get a massive surcharge um, we've been to the most ex- like um, to uh, to more extent losing taking the hit on that and not passing it on and so the update that we're working on will address that issue so essentially like put things into smaller pass, uh, pieces and then um, there might be a little bit more assembly but uh, hopefully the, the customer will get a better price as well so everyone that got the cu- uh, the product Uh, well most people that got the product absolutely love the product um the finish the adjustability uh it's um from what i see uh we over over under under promised and over delivered on that so it's it's been um yeah everyone seems to be happy we've got 40 50 uh of those trx's that sit with alpine and fly around the world so yeah they're um they're very satisfied with it uh you know we're we're happy because it's it's the most innovative cockpit on the market apparently. i don't i don't know what someone else can do but uh yeah like we're we're going to be experimenting with different colors so you might see a, a bright orange one or a um a navy blue one or okay a, or a silver one so interesting
0: that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, they—they they look. I mean, they look stunning as they are, and the seat is is magnificent. But that's your bread and butter, right? Making cockpits for people to sit in to attach their peripherals has been your bread and butter for the last fifteen years, and now you're moving into a whole new world of electronics. So, direct drive wheelbases, wheel rims, handbrakes, um, gear shifters. So it's a it's it's a it's almost like a whole new industry because there's a whole electronics uh, element to it. It's so a hardware and firmware that you've got to get right. Um, that now when we last spoke, we hadn't seen any of the products you had, you mentioned to us on our podcast, and it was one of the first places online that there was any proof essentially that you were going to be launching any kind of, um, uh, of your own electronics. And then we saw it later that year at the Simracing Expo, we saw the 3d models. So since the last podcast, the last 18 months how has it been trying to build a whole new range of products in a in an industry that is very very different to what you what you're used to I oh, we've just
2: hired some experts <laughs>
0: um so you know, <laughs> make it sound so simple yeah.
2: as you know as as we've done with the uh the simulators i'm very involved in um the mechanical uh design and and um and appearance of those uh and then and then we've We've hired uh, you know, PCB engineer and software engineers and uh, electrical engineers. So it's quite interesting. One of our competitors at, at that uh Sim Expo um a year ago came up and said, Well, why are you doing that? And I'm like, Why not? <laughs> because you know, I just I, I just like to well, I think that I like to disrupt industries. I think, I find it fun. Um, and <laughs> uh yeah, it's kind of a little bit ratty, maybe, but, um, yeah, that's, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy like, um, doing new things. So, you know, with, with our, our current range of products, um, we've, you know, I've, I've got a team that's working on, uh, improving the operations. Um, we put on someone, uh, that I hope will, um, will put an end to our, uh, stock outs. So we put on a, a demand planner um with a lot of experience um and then a consultant on top of that and um and also looking into um you know the use of ai with with regards to forecasting stock uh because mate when you when you in a in a single month when you think oh well, you know we we're, we're going to go up 30% and you triple it's it's so hard you you can't predict that shit mm. so um not nor could ai but um uh, at least we could we could put in some variables, like it could be uh, an, an input with what sort of activations we're doing in that month, or what's actually happening, how much we're spending on ads, and then you know hopefully this clever AI stuff could could give us a, you know a better idea of what we need. Um, and and where where depending on where in the world we're shipping the stock, like it's up to um, could be up to uh, five months from order so you know a couple of months on the water and inland transport and then you know like two three months of production Mm. yeah interesting
0: interesting it's um i guess you you don't have to you're not shipping huge lumps of stuff anymore in a big heavy aluminium profile they're going to be smaller compact boxes diary drive wheels obviously very heavy but then wheels and and all the the other peripherals not so much so perhaps it might be more challenging in terms of electronics and the engineering but you're smiling, so maybe not, but maybe less challenging know when know it comes to shipping. I'm, I'm
2: smiling because you're you're absolutely right. Like I, I can't get oh, okay. to be shipping smaller boxes. <laughs> you know, like a single parcel with a single tracking number. But mm. that's, that's a dream. Um so you know these these guys like Fanatec and um Ascatec, they've had it easy mode. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, I guess yeah, it's yeah. the it's the it's the multiple boxes that the track racer rigs come in. That must be the the absolute headache so i guess you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that now something else um that you're used to is dealing with influencers So influencers are a, as you mentioned earlier they're a huge part of your um of anybody's marketing campaign nowadays um and you're having to manage the subjective views of individuals who put a lot of stock in their own View, right when they put something across it's very much as a you know as a fact not you know the good ones are very open and they're well this doesn't work for me but it might work for you but some are very like this is this and you know that no other opinion is is correct so opening up track racer as a brand to a far larger number of reviewers who will do reviews of wheelbases wheel rims shifters handbrakes etc are you nervous about all of this stuff going out to them, or are you excited?
2: Well, well. <laughs> uh, I, we just need to get it right from the beginning. Um, you know, the the problem with, like, influencers, some influencers are, are amazing, like, fortunately, most of them. Um, others can sometimes have their own agenda. So it could be, uh, you know, they're working with, competitor or they're getting like a more more commit commission from a competitor um so um uh and and some and some of them are, are very honest like i've i've worked with a few influencers who have um been able to help improve our products um and i actually lean on them like hey hey mate can you you know have a look at this and give us some feedback so the look, I, we're not rushing the peripherals. Uh, the software will be fine. Um, it's, it's more about, um, well, we just want to make sure that we've got enough, um, support to, to help everyone, um, as, as they get their product. So we're going to learn a lot, uh, in the, in the first year. And, um, and I, I guess it's my job just to make sure that it is genuinely plug and play or, We're we're screwed from a a resource point of view, you know. Yeah, seeing what's going on with Fanatec, where uh, they've got I don't know months behind on on tickets. Um, So uh, and and there may or may not be a problem with the product. Is you know often it's probably user error. Mm. You just you've just got to make these things idiot proof. Where um, you know. Maybe I'll give one to my mom and, and say, hey, mom, <laughs> you know, try mom and... test. yeah, the mum test. <laughs> <laughs> A great book. Um, so
0: it's, it's kind of interesting because I guess with cockpits, you had what we would call like the, the first mover advantage, right? So you were first to market or one of the first to market when it came to cockpits of the nature that you designed. Yeah. With peripherals and electronics, you have... Late mover advantage. So there is still an advantage to to not being first, right? So and it's interesting hearing you say that we're not rushing into this. You know, we're not sprinting towards a Q3 release date, ready to be you know in full swing by the the winter season, the you know the busiest season in Europe and North America at least for next year. It's you know we're going to make sure that we get this right, um, and then. Once we've got it right, and we know that we can support people with uh, support tickets or technical help, etc., then then we launch. So, you know, with with that in mind, what's your strategy when it comes to pre-orders? Can you can you open for pre-orders too early, or does it not matter? People will wait as long as you ask them to wait. Yeah, I've...
2: we're discussing internally a few, a few different strategies around that. Um... We don't need uh, customers' money to go ahead with it, um, which which is uh, you know often a reason for pre-orders. Mm. Oh. you crowdfunding. And yeah, well, I would, I would rather get it right. So, yeah, the 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 first range of products is going to be uh, pedal, shifter, handbrake, which I think is relatively easy. Uh, they're quite robust. Um, there's not a lot that can go wrong with them. We we've we've worked with a um, a high tier engineering firm in in UK um, to to get us to production and and to make you know to manage that production. So we've invested externally there, uh, and then and then the wheels are uh, you know maybe a little bit well the software that goes along with the wheels is a little bit more complicated, um, and then uh, the direct drive wheel. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, well, cause a few sleepless nights. So, mm, yeah, we want to be ready for that. Interesting, yeah. But
0: I'm trying to work out if uh, if there's, if there's more anxiety or excitement about this about this this range right now. There must it must be it, the the idea of releasing a whole new range must be be quite exciting. But I guess as you go through the process and you start to you start to solve the you know the known unknowns so then you discover some unknown unknowns but then they become you know known knowns which the horrible set of phrases to use but essentially as you start to learn what all of the the problems are going to be down the line does that anxiety start to turn to excitement for you or will that stage come a few months after launch and you know the 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 tickets are low the reviews are good sales are steady like uh, what's what's the exciting bit in the process for you personally
2: i like to always be moving um I've, you know i love people to say that's that's a fucking great product uh that's what i what drives me it's not the money it's mm. it's um it's having just cu- happy customers um happy with the brand and the product so um if when i'm I'm not going to bring in twenty thousand sets of pedals so we will start uh you know we're not, we're not going to go hard out of the gate we've got enough customers out there that would be uh willing to beat her as well so this this is um an option uh, and and you know what as you as you said before and then you sort of uh, moved on uh we we're, we're not the first uh in the industry as we were one of the first with the rigs uh however i think that Well, a lot of, a lot of what we're adding into these products hasn't been done in the industry. And so, you know, I believe we, we do offer a point of difference there. These, uh, peripheral companies at the moment, they have, they have pretty high margins, um, which is a lot higher than we work on. And so we're going to be able to disrupt there with better value products, uh, where we're also, uh, the, the performance of the products I believe is, is going to, uh, outperform the competitors. So our our pedals, uh, 200 kilo load cell on the brake and th- uh, 35 on on the clutch and throttle. Uh, we've got a few nice little additions in there as well. The mechanism within the shifter is is not just a you know a cheap standard switch. It's we've we've actually uh, it, we've we, we've uh, engineered a, a special gear system which will give you the you know that perfect feeling, uh, a good sounds. Uh, and it's it's going to be um, uh, it'll it'll last a long time. So we're using hall sensors. We're not using um, uh, analog switches. So these little these little things that we're investing in, we're not going mm. to have a lot of warranty issues over. Um, and and the product's going to be better. It's interesting
0: that you talk about the sound that the peripherals make because it, it does make a difference. I don't think I've ever fully consciously appreciated that i care about that too like a a good set of shifters they sound good it feels good same with uh you know with it with a gear stick if it it feels good when you clunk it into first into second or you know or if it's a sequential and you get that proper that that kind of like tension 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 you know that that really satisfying feeling and 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 sound it it does make a, a huge difference it must be a bit of a strange process to go through when you're testing out different materials or different mechanisms to be like okay how did that sound to everyone did did everybody get that satisfying clunk feeling that they want from one of these peripherals it must feel trivial but it's so important
2: the, the issue that we had with the sample at the sim expo last week was that um it was too noisy <laughs> and so <laughs> johan johan who heads our european team um he he was like you know like we got to we got to keep it quiet for the neighbors so we <laughs> we're, we're working on uh improvements there to to lower the the sound but i think the feeling the feeling of it is just absolute spot on mm. okay
0: now how many of your like peripheral um and, and uh like electronic sales do you think will come from people who see value in staying within the track race it ecosystem i e two scenarios right right one is I don't have any sim racing equipment. I find a track racer rig. I'm like, oh, well, track racer also do their own wheelbase and wheels, so I may as well get it from the same place because it's the same delivery, it's the same invoice. Not that that matters too much, but I know that it's all going to fit together because it's the same brand. And then the second, the second scenario is somebody, one of the hundreds of thousands of people, I'm going to assume who have a track racer rig, who are looking for an upgrade, go well, I may as well try the track racer stuff because I have a track racer rig like do you how how important do you think that is going to be in driving
2: sales I'd be very naive to to think that uh the brand is going to help those sales uh it's it's a product that stands on its own um and it should be proven on its own of course like you know there's going to be customers that just want to uh add to car an entire rig and they'll get an entire track racer rig uh but majority are shopping around. So yeah, I'd be quite quite stupid to think that um that people are just gonna buy it because it's it's a track racer. Like they're they're gonna do their research just like they would anything else. Yeah. I guess there is a very small market of people who want
0: that ultimate convenience where if there is a brand where I can get absolutely everything that I could possibly need for a rig all from one brand one shopping cart hit by and it just all arrives together but i guess you're right most people will enjoy the process of researching i guess that's kind of a a blessing and a a curse for for um brands such as yourself is that in gaming hardware has become part of passion so whether that's you know you're building a pc and you're watching youtube videos about which CPU and GPU to, to go for and how to overclock and, you know, what the megahertz of your RAM means in terms of frames per second, like really like diving deep into that world has become just as much a part of the culture of gaming as playing the actual games. And obviously in the sim racing world, you've got that, but like on steroids, because it's the only, it's the only sector of gaming where you have this many options for for hardware, different types of, of of hardware to add to your gaming experience. And so part of the culture is watching review videos, having a favorite reviewer, maybe being a part of their Discord community, maybe even racing with the hardware reviewers who know these products inside out. And so as a sim racer, you go through this journey of building relationships with brands through all of these influencers. And it becomes part of the the passion of sim racing. Like most every sim racer I know has you know i, I i'm a, a v3s or a hoisin guy you know or or yeah you know, i'm a final or SimuCube or you know actually you know i'm going all in on moza because they're they're cheaper and they're just as good and their wheels look amazing like or, or whatever it is right you, you the stim racers kind of almost build this personality based around the hardware that they like it's almost like you're you know, your Spotify wrapped and you say, this is, these are my top five songs. This is me. This is my personality at the end of the year. Yeah. Sim races have a similar thing where it's like, this is the rig I've chosen to go for. Make your assumptions about me as a human being based on those choices.
2: Yeah. So, like, um, uh, I, I feel that track racer owners are quite proud of being a track racer owner, as opposed to, it could be another brand where they, they're less likely to show it online. Hmm. If you can imagine the brands I'm talking about, so um, I there's there's just you know like if you've got a Ferrari, you're gonna, well if you, you know, if you've got a big head about it, uh, you're gonna <laughs> share photos online. You're not gonna share photos of your you know your um Suzuki Swift. So great car though, <laughs> yeah, great car. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. i <laughs> have you know, got a, a good memory, haven't I? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's um yeah. it's 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 car proud and it's it's rig proud. So um yeah like uh I think that definitely like Moser is has um got their foot in the door with low priced and available available products our uh, fanatech's really trying hard to to hold on to that um and then you've got others like uh Logitech and trustmaster well you know they're just they priced out of the market because of the distributor model hmm yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, No, it's it, it's been fascinating to watch this marketplace evolve, and yes. the Thrustmaster Logitech, um, unfortunate scenario, I guess, because because most people grew up with those as their brands at home. You know, you go through the Argos catalogue and get your Logitech as a kid for like sixty quid on your PlayStation Two. Like uh, that was that was kind of where it all all began. But yeah, they just haven't haven't at all managed to keep up um okay so I, i'm appreciating that we're short time i've taken up so much of your time this morning or i guess it's evening where you are um, so thank you but before we leave it'd be great to hear from you what you think if you could choose one the headline the track racer headline is going to be for 2024 the end of 2024 when we inevitably have you on the show again you're going to look back on
2: 2024 and go that was the year that uh that was the year that track racer didn't run out of stock that was, that was the year that uh you know like for me I, I i just want um a well-oiled machine that gets the products to customers when they order it or they're advised so as i said um it's 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 painful to see uh how hard we're all working we're growing we're having growing pains so our systems aren't where they need to be so but i I think, um, well, that's probably a, a dream for me uh, in 24. Uh, but I think for for anyone out there in the wild, I would say uh, that was the year that TrackRacer had the full suite of products. So I've, we've got i a, 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 I'm very ambitious for 2024 20, um, with what's coming out um and you've seen some of it so you know two direct drive bases you know there's four wheels that we've uh finished designs on and and we're just uh sourcing the the switches and and um and so on now to get that right tactile feedback uh the yeah the pedal shifter handbrake there i'm hoping um production's finished april um still not perfect but it's not far off so I think this year will be the year that uh track racer nailed the peripheral business nice now i i mean i said that that was
0: gonna be the last question but it's thrown up another one that i really really want to ask i can say earlier
2: yeah that...
0: <laughs> you said earlier that you don't watch tv so if you've got time in the evening you go on facebook and you help people out with with orders and whatnot this year you're bringing out five new cockpits and a whole suite of peripherals do you take time off, and if so,
2: what do you do? Uh, well, last year I I went to Bali for two weeks and learned how to surf. Nice. Uh, you know, there was a, probably about three days where I worked there, but uh, I hadn't <laughs> taken a break off for a while. Uh, I I I enjoy like I get bored, so I I like actually like uh, working and solving issues. Um, I yeah today i i spent the day um you know there's always better things that i could be doing but i can't you know click my fingers and and things are done so i need to try and be patient um our team's you know working on perfecting the software and and getting the peripherals right i can't you know i can't push that any more than i am so mm. sometimes i've just got time it's really interesting. It's
0: really interesting. And I, I, you know, I totally relate as a kid. I used to spend my whole, all my summer holidays, I would play, uh, like Roller Coaster tycoon and age of empires. Cause I liked building something and making it opt- optimal and, you know, building up the economy of, of that thing. And I feel like if you're to use a horrible word entrepreneur, um, you essentially do that for a living right you just build you just build and you build and you build and so in the evenings if that's what you love doing it's like well i could force myself to do something else because it feels like that's what society wants or i can keep building this project that you absolutely love so i feel like I, you know I, I totally relate to to your um to your approach but you know stay strong don't get burnt out i'm excited to see this range of peripherals this year i'm excited to see the Multicolored TRXs this year as well. That sounds very exciting. And Matt, thank you so much for spending this much time talking to me. Really early in the morning for me. I'm not an early riser. And nice and late for you. But thank you very much. Absolutely. Oh, don't ask me that. You're not allowed to ask me that because now you've outed me. Because we started yeah, like the not at, We started the podcast at 8 a.m., which is not that early, but it, but it is for me.
2: Like I, I like that to work late. As well. Yeah, I get up <laughs> late as well. I work okay. late. I get yeah. up late, so okay, no, I'm okay. late. <laughs> great okay thanks a lot matt i will see you in austin in march see you in austin in
0: march see you then